Good evening. I know I better do good tonight. Bobby's already warned me women are armed with tomatoes. <laughs> so if I see something come, I'm going to run and duck if I can find one of these doors. <laughs> oh, man. You know, things at times happen by accident, not necessarily on purpose. And putting our lessons together for today, I didn't realize I got looking more at this one this evening. All three of these lessons have something in common from the Sunday Sunday school this morning and even this evening, but it was all by accident, not on purpose. This evening, I want us to take a trip. A trip that was taken by one individual, and the circumstances around it wasn't anything out of the ordinary, but what happened was out of the ordinary. You would call this, especially to a Jew, a a trip of a lifetime. A trip enabled as you live in another country of of the Roman Empire of that day and time, you have an opportunity, you've planned it uh, around it and taken the time and how long it would take to arrive and stay and go back home, a trip to Jerusalem during the time of the Passover. And no doubt as you have planned that trip, you have already planned ahead as part of that, to even stay through Pentecost if necessary to in, and spend time with that feast day as well. As you journey, you journey from, a far, from your far country to the city of David. There you've brought your two sons with you who are known as Rufus and Alexander to experience this great religious fervor that comes around the time of the Passover. As you arrive, the city of Jerusalem is crowded. But then again, you're not surprised because you find thousands of other Jews who have filled the streets of that city just like yourself to be here during this time of Passover. They've come from all over the world like you to end up in the hub of their religion, the city of Jerusalem. When you arrive, of course, the city is crowded. Everywhere that you want to stay is already booked up, as we might say. So you've made preparation to stay outside of the city while you were there. Every day you walk in from the countryside. Every day while you come in, you have in your mind things that you want to do that particular day. Whether it be errands to run or something involved during that time of celebration of the Passover during that week that you want to be in. You sacrifice at Herod's temple. You sing in the courts. You pray as it were in the center of of Israel's religious services. Everything is the same every day. But one morning when you come in from the country, things are a little bit different. There's the usual crowd that's been there every day. But all of a sudden here comes a procession of Roman soldiers And you notice as they're making their way through, you realize with them is three condemned individuals. And you say to yourself, oh, more Jews being hauled off to be crucified. You've seen this scene before. You don't think too much about it. You just stand off to the side. And in your mind, you're thinking, I hope they they hurry up and get on through. i got things I want to do this morning. And I want to be delayed no more than necessary. But all of a sudden... You hear a voice, and you realize, wait a minute, that's not one of my, that's not one of my people. That's not a Jew. That's a Roman voice. And all of a sudden, you realize when you hear it, you look up and notice that guy's talking to you. He's pointing you. Says, "Get over here now! Hurry up! I got something for you to do. Carry this man's cross. Get over here now." 
in your mind, you're thinking, oh, why me? Why not this guy over here? And how dare you ask a businessman from Serene to carry a cross? Don't you know who I am? Uh, you see, those are thoughts. They don't get here. Why? You see that soldier's sword and you know he can use it. You've already seen just in the few moments as that procession is going by, you know he can use that whip. You don't say anything. You come out of that crowd. Every eye is on you for that moment. And finally you take that cross from one of those, in your mind, a criminal. And you make it the journey, rest away till Golgotha. The steps that you take are hard. And no doubt going through your mind, you're wondering how... Now I wonder how anyone... This thing is heavy. And you already look at them prisoners and they've been nearly already beat nearly half to death by the Roman scourges. And you almost in the back of your mind begin to wonder how they could even carry this thing. It's, it's beyond me because they're wore out from all this beating. And in the back of your mind, you almost think, no wonder this man dropped beneath it. I could understand why. You carry it. You finally arrive to the top of that hill. That cross is taken from you. And you realize, oh, it's finally over, I can go. And you hurry off to get away in case they, in case they call you back. You don't want no more to do with this. This man that you see there laying on the cross as you make your way out is uttering things to you that just I don't, you don't understand. He's saying something about Father, forgive them. And he's thinking, what for? Who, who's his father? Is his father in the crowd? You know, you're not gathering what's going on. But see, the thing, thing you don't realize is this. Your life will never be the same. Your life will never be the same. These events that we've pictured for a moment comes from one verse found in Mark 15 in verse 21. And they compelled a passerby, Simon of Serene, who was coming in from the country, the father of Alexander and Rufus, to carry his cross. Now the fact, the way Mark writes this, or writes in that one verse what happens there, you get the impression that Mark knew Simon and his two sons, because he mentions Rufus and Alexander. So when he mentions them, when he writes his gospel, it's obvious at least Mark knows them, and maybe many of the church of that day and time knew who they were. Their names must have been familiar to several of them, the fact that Mark mentioned them as if those who would read this would know who they were. We don't know, but we can almost assume maybe Simon and his family became Christians. It could have happened on Pentecost. It might have happened later. That we do not know. But this one verse tells us something. It tells us about our walk with God. Now that's what it does tell us. When you think about it for a moment, one of the things it tells us, it is the little things that change the world. You can imagine when Simon got up that morning, he'd been like any other as he had arrived and was staying outside Jerusalem. Each day he had some activities planned that he wanted to carry out during that particular day or errands run or maybe even some friends that he wanted to meet and to spend some time with each day. Simon never planned to get up that morning and never did expect to think that I'm going to do something today 
that would get him mentioned in God's eternal book for all of eternity. He didn't get up like any of us would do and says, well, what, what great act I can do today <laughs> that everybody will remember me. We don't ever get up that way thinking that. We might in the back of our mind like to, so someone would recognize us. But every day we get up with the attitude, we're up for a new day. We know we've got something planned for the day, whether it be work, errands, or whatever. We have planned, this is what I want to do for the day. But we're not planning to do something great. We're not planning anything to be on the evening news. We just want to get up that morning, do what we need to do for that day, and see the day close, eat our supper, spend some time with the family and friends, and go to bed and rest for the new day. But yet, this man who was coming to be part of that feast and joy this week in the city of Jerusalem, didn't plan to stand by the side of the road and says, Oh, pick me, I'll take the cross. No. He was there like everyone else getting out of the way while that procession went by. But bearing that cross, bearing that cross, Simon definitely changes spiritual history as well as his own personal history as well. But when we think of doing things, we all realize and understand that what is remembered by everyone is the big things people do the great deeds, the great acts. We look at history and men and women of the past are written in our history books and remember because they did something great. Something that was, we might say for a moment, earth shattering. Something that changed the course of history or changed people's lives because it's able to heal a disease or some machine they invented that made manufacturing or something else a lot easier. And they remembered for those great things. But we look at ourselves and realize, I'm never going to be remembered for nothing great. Uh, but in fact, you see, as I have said more than once, it is the little things, the unexpected things, the daily events that we do every day that will affect the lives of others. That's what we always need to keep in mind, the little things. It might be nothing more than a word of encouragement. It be might nothing more than a kind deed. It might be just simply a smile to someone who's feeling a little down and out that particular day. But it is those little acts, those little acts can become, if you want to think about it for a more moment, more earth-shattering than someone's great deeds remembered in history. We tend to forget about those little moments. We focus our attentions on big things. Yet it is the little things that carry more weight. The little things are remembered. The little things do do great, wonderful, marvelous things. So when we think about that for a moment, it was a little thing maybe in some cases for Simon, but yet he presented to us a lesson. A lesson of the little things we need to learn every day to be kind and gentle and affirming and encouraging to all of those around us that we come in contact every day. Because in one of those little moments, you might have changed the world. Even though that was not ever your intention, you were just going about being a child of God. Another thing we learn from Simon in this trip that he made that after that morning 
is that Christianity is not a spectator sport. Simon learned very quickly that he couldn't stand by the wayside as a, you know, getting out of the way as that procession went by. He was called into duty. He had to get involved. And because he did, was involved, we remember him and this evening we're talking about him. Because we want to remember something that he did. But when you look at that for a moment, you realize on the other side of the coin is this. You at times realize and understand and make yourself afraid that too many Christians have settled for a spectator attitude toward Christianity. They come to worship. They sit through a service. They listen as someone speaks to them in a class. or They listen to a sermon that someone presents to them. They listen as other people sing. They listen while one of the brethren lead the congregation in prayer. They go as it were through the motions. They come in and they leave and nothing has changed. Nothing has changed. They haven't learned that Christianity is not something we do from the sidelines. In other words, on that road that leads to heaven, that narrow way that Christ talked about, does not have along the way benches to sit down and rest along the way and says, let somebody else carry the load, I'm tired, move on. No, there's none of that there. It is not a spectator sport. We cannot do it from the sidelines. We have to be involved in carrying out the cross of Jesus. We are to be involved in living this Christian life. Is that not what we learned this morning from James 1? In verse 22, did he not be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves? What is James trying to do there? As he moves this, and we talked about this morning, word perfection, is the fact he's trying to remind us and challenges us as God's children to get involved. To be a part of things. That we need to get past this idea that we're learning, and oh, and it's wonderful, I've learned something today. Oh, he taught something, and I learned from it, and I'm learning every day, and I've been in the church for 50 years, and I'm still, you know, learning anything. I haven't progressed. I'm just learning, and it's wonderful. I'm learning all these things. But you haven't been applying them. You've been the hearer. You haven't been the doer. And that's what James is getting at. James is reminding us that we are not spectators in this Christian life. It is doing and being in action all the days of our life. We need to be equipped and learn how to do the little things that we're doing for God. Whether it's in our marriage, whether it's in our parenting, whether it's in our career. We need to learn to act. We learn to live this Christian life. Not talk about it, but live this Christian life. Let everybody know that we're a part of it, that we're there on that marching line, that we're walking the pathway leads to heaven, we're part of this great army of God, that we're willing to fight for the cause of Jesus Christ. That's one thing Simon definitely teaches us. But doesn't James go on to remind us in the last two verses of that first chapter we looked at this morning, if anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this man's religion is what? Worthless. 
pure uh, the religion that's pure and undefiled before God the Father is this. To do what? To visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from this world. Now, Paul, he just in verse 20 told you what? Not to be hearers only, but doers of the word. Now he tells you what he means by doing the word. And what is it involved? He explains to us taming the tongue, helping those who are in distress, and keeping oneself pure. That is what's involved. So we need to learn. It's not a spectator sport. We're not standing on the sideline and watching all the other Christians and we're becoming cheerleaders for them. Yay team! We are part of that team marking that road that leads to Calvary. We need to remind ourselves of that constantly. That we need to do the things that James even mentions here in his first chapter. In other words, we need to be like Simon. We need to carry the cross. And the third thing we want to learn from this is there is a cross for every child of God. Simon didn't realize it. Because for, probably for a long time he really didn't know what he had done. To later on when he was told and realized what he had done was a marvelous great thing he had carried out. But Simon didn't realize it, but he was asked to do something which God asked us to do every single day, and that is carry a cross. Is that not what the Lord said in Luke 9.23? Anyone who would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. That requires action that James already just talked about. Jesus is simply telling to everyone that day that was listening to Him, in His kingdom, there is a cross for each of us to bear. This cross is not a burden like Simon carried, that weight of that wooden cross that he had to bear from the outside Jerusalem to the top of Golgotha. It was an instrument of death. And for Simon, that cross was not too hard to carry. And though it was heavy, but he hadn't been beaten half to death and trying to carry it all at the same time. It was heavy. He would be able to put it down and watch as someone else was placed upon it and the nails drove in their hands and feet and crucified. But when Christ tells us to pick up a cross daily and follow Him, He's asking us to take up the instruments of our death every day and follow Him. And what is He asking of us to do every day? It is thing called self-denial. Self-denial. In other words, Christ is saying to us, I come first. I come first every day. I come first. And how do we know that we have been successful in carrying that cross that Jesus described of self-denial in Luke 9? It is a process that we experience every day when we are challenged by Satan to leave God and follow Him. 
when, we're, when Satan wants us to leave God, drop the cross, it's too heavy, don't carry it. The world's a lot more enjoyable. What I give you will be easier and a lot more fun and do everything you want to do. When we face that and we say no and keep walking, we have self-denied and put God first in our lives. The challenge is for us to carry it no matter what we're in a hurry to do, no matter what we've got planned for the day, that make sure that every morning when we arise, we've got the cross, we're putting Him first, and we move throughout the day with that always in mind. Always in mind. Jesus tells us emphatically, that we must pick up that cross every single day and die to self. You notice it's not a decision that's made every once in a while when it's convenient. It's not a decision that today I will become a child of God and I picked up the cross today, now I'm a child of God, good, I can lay it back down. No. Mm-mm. Is it a decision that we make every day to pick up that cross and daily control ourselves, keep ourselves in check, and let Him continue to be number one in our lives. Is that not what Paul meant in Galatians 2 and 20? When he said, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. Is that not the definition of self-denial? Is that not the definition of dying to self every day? If it isn't, then we're not reading it right, are we? That is what Christ said in Luke 9. Take up the cross daily. And follow me. Denial of self. Paul's life was changed the day he had become a child of God. His life is an open book to us all that we know that his life was changed. He daily walked and carried that cross as he preached the gospel to the then known world. He allowed God to guide him everywhere he went and everything that he did. That type of self-denial, that kind of life, charged and energized the first century. And it can do the very same thing in the 21st century. If we're willing to deny self, take up His cross daily and follow Him. When we choose to die to self, when we choose to die to self, our lives are changed by the will of God. When we become a child of God, Paul so ably explains in Romans 6 that when we become a child of God, that when we're baptized in Christ, we're baptized in When we're buried, we're buried with Him and we rise up to walk, to walk in a new life. In Romans 6, in verse 6, he continues saying, We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. Is that not what happens when we become a child of God? That we take up that cross from that day forward and we've committed ourselves, the lives to follow him all the days of our life. If we're going to deny self every day, we're going to crucify it to that cross, we're going to follow him. 
And while we're doing so, we are no longer enslaved in the life of sin. This is what the cross is able to do. It can change lives. It has that power because of who died on it and for the reason that He did. The reason He did. Long ago, on a Friday morning, Simon had no idea. Didn't cross his mind whatsoever that he would forevermore change history and be remembered for all time and eternity in the Word of God for a deed he was not expecting to do. But he did it. We make that decision to follow him. That is the difference. Simon was compelled. We can choose. This evening, again, as we've always said, all things are ready. Simply waiting for you to respond to that precious invitation to become one of God's precious children. Paul ably explained to us in that sixth chapter of Romans what is involved in becoming a child of God and to live as a child of God. This evening, it's your opportunity to become one. And this day forward, take that cross and follow Him daily. He's promised you when you do, He'll take care of you and provide. But this evening, if you're a child of God who's once carried the cross of self-denial, but realize when you look around you today, you're walking, but the cross is still laying in the road where you dropped it. Because you quit carrying it. You've gone back to the world. You've yielded to Satan's temptations. You're no longer denying self. You're promoting self. by the fact you've sinned against the God of heaven. It's a child of his. Here's the opportunity again to come back home. To pick up that cross where you laid it down. And pick it back up. And from this day forward, move forward as a child of God. Denying self and being a help and encouragement to others. Think on that while together we stand and while we sing.